I am Tova Cito. And I am Janice Gant. And we believe our lives should be happy, healthy, and abundant. And that it is our job to get us there. Every week, we will have inspiring, educational, and fun conversations that will help you live your very best life. Welcome to The Remedy. Welcome, everybody, to another week of The Remedy with Tovacito and Janice Gant. Woo! And. Hey, guys. <laughs> and. It's Hi. weird saying my own name. <laughs> And Kevin. And Kevin and Blair. And Blair. <laughs> my baby Blair. Yes, you're Janice's precious daughter, who's our guest today. At least this week I was ready for you guys. <laughs> you're always ready for us, Kev. I usually don't. Ex- well, that's a new thing, throwing me into the intro <laughs> thing. It catches me off guard because I'm like. Hey, I, w- I was in running New Orleans this weekend officiating a wedding, Kev. And everybody wants to know about Kevin. Yeah, right. No. I'm dead serious because people were from all over the United States. Okay, I have to say I was sitting. I know this stuff happens to you too, Janice, but I was sitting at the bridal luncheon next to somebody and she saw my nameplate. I'd never met her in my life. And she goes, (gasps) and I was like, what? And she was like, you're Tova? Tova Cito? And I was like, yeah, she's from Houston. She Uh listens to The Remedy. Awesome. And is a huge fan, and all of her friends listened to it. It was so much fun. And Kev, we had a solid seven-minute Kevin conversation. Well, it's a good thing we did that one episode, because now you can just say, for reference, go to <laughs> episode 142 Well, we may need to do another episode. <laughs> yeah. No, I think people just love when you chime in. Yeah, me too. So, um, okay, we got to thank our sponsor. I will as much... As it's applicable. Yeah, it is. Because you guys get into some stuff sometimes where I have no experience or no, base but of comparison still, for it. You still have good, you always have good insight. Okay, so Kev, I want to know what inspired the Hawaii, Hawaii, Hawaii shirt today. Um, just because it was hot and it's getting into summer and it just felt like a good summer shirt. Yeah. And Oops. you're going to the pool later. And I'm going to the pool later. What are you doing at the pool later? <laughs> probably just laying out. It's probably too cold to actually get in. He said he was going to just, he said he likes to go sit on a, on a lounge chair away from everybody, but doesn't face anybody, puts his earplugs in and reads or something, and then people just come up and chat with him. I always end up in like conversations <laughs> with like five people. And he doesn't want to talk to anybody. That's but. hilarious. That sounds like me at the pool. That's why, I, that's why years ago I joined a country club that nobody in Dallas is a member of because I... I want to go get away. There. But see, I can't imagine Tova not wanting to socialize. Me oh. neither. Oh, and no, what no, country no. club is that? The Four Seasons. Oh yeah. Nobody. Yeah. Far. Nobody really. It's beautiful. It's beautiful and it's uh-huh. far. Mm-hmm. And I don't know anybody. It's great. That's the one I thought about joining. Yeah, you should. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I've never even been to a country club. <laughs> I'll write you a letter. You know what I'll that is? You. It's just people hanging around a pool playing golf and getting drunk. <laughs> yep, pretty much. No, I am. I am uh, much more of an introvert than I am an extrovert. Much more. Like Never would have guessed that. Yeah, no, me neither. When I'm present, I love to be present, but I really need to go away, and that's how I recharge: is by going away, not by being with people. Being with people drains me. Being alone rejuvenates. Don't you think 
Part of that is because of what you do as a job and what I do. I, I know is that, that how if you I, are too? at the end of the week, I just kind of, or the end of a day, if I talk with six people or something, I really don't have, it's hard. I don't have anything to say. Poor Tom, I'm kind of like, you know, a mute because I just, yeah. it's hard. It's exhausting because when you're in session with somebody, you have to be 100% fully present. present. Yeah, fully. You can't fully daydream. Present. No. No, because the, they would pick up on it. Oh, sure. No one understands like just not feeling like talking. Like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Like, nothing's wrong. I just I'm not that chatty right now. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. I understand that. I do too. I are you like that, Blair? Can you be like that? I think I think being with people fills my cup, but then walking on the Katy Trail alone fills, fills my cup, cup too. too. So <clears throat> you like the balance. Mm-hmm. Is your voice extra scratchy right now? Yes, it is. <laughs> it is really special today. It's sexy. You, I think you're going to get a lot of dates after this. <laughs> when I, you weren't here Not when I walked in. Not that you need any in. help. All you have to do is walk around in that tennis skirt, and I'm sure, <laughs> no. shit, I want to date you. <laughs> you oh, weren't here. Okay. I was like, my voice is really rough today. Uh, I love it. I, it's because I'm teaching so much. Mm. I used to only teach two and then I really, it's like changed actually how my voice is. Oh, yeah. Like Owen's like, Mom, your voice is completely different than it was a year ago. And I'm like, I know. No, it does make a difference. When I was working at the church full time, I always had a raspy voice. And I finally went and got it checked. And they said, it's, you're, you just talk too much. Uh-huh. Like all I did was talk and talk yes. and talk and stand on a stage and talk and talk and talk. And my, my voice was always horse yeah speaking I mean, of teaching by the way have we ever mentioned on here that my wife used to teach one of blair's daughters i know just a funny little coincidence I, yes she, i thought it was still happening no, no. not anymore no. she had mia it was it at good shepherd or was it st michael yeah. okay. oh isn't that a small world oh yeah no yeah. i did know that but i thought i thought it was happening right now no no mm, no that's always, pretty cute yeah, yeah. i know She's, isn't she it loved so mia. sweet what's not to love feisty little Oh, I love her. There's a lot I do not love. <laughs> About Mia? Yeah. Yes. She is a ball She's of fire. Feisty. I love her. They're, they're all so precious. Those are the kind of least loves the most. So. When yeah. I it makes bl- sense. She liked her. When I blessed your home, you, I did a house blessing for you. What did she say after the prayer? That was really oh. long. Yeah, well, that was like, Owen. Oh, Owen, Owen said, that's the longest prayer I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had a lot to pray for. <laughs> oh, it was so funny. Well, we, it was an exorcism of sorts. <laughs> oh, Nobody's head spun around or anything, so that's good. No projectile barfing. It was just a long prayer. <laughs> Okay, you want a joke? Yeah, we're ready. Oh, did you talk about our sponsor? Oh, no. Our sponsor today is Stephanie Hagen. Um, she just came to my class. Oh, seriously? Yes. She's so freaking sweet and cute. Oh, yeah. I love that she's a sponsor and that I'm a part of it. Yeah, that, oh, that is so mm-hmm. cool. That's really cool. No, she's, she's a dear, dear, dear friend. She's always a huge fan, and she said she was just listening and was like, Felt so inspired, so she had to give. I love and that. Yeah. Oh, thank you, yeah, Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you. She's so nice. Beautiful inside and out. And she's a huge, I mean, she listens to every episode. So, and I know she loves you. So it, yeah. it's perfect. Perfect timing. Yes, it is. That perfect timing. Out. And Kevin is especially grateful. Yes, absolutely. S- sandwiches, uh, McDonald's coffee, <laughs> and hopefully. Uh, Big gulp. Uh, a lot of canned foods. 
And maybe you could have a Miller I just like Light this foods. week instead of natural light shit you drink. <laughs> I like the Natty Light. <laughs> natty? Natty Light? <laughs> Is that the actual name of it? No, it's, it's natural, natural Light. But uh, He's like named Natty. It. Natty. It's, it is kind of Natty Nasty. <laughs> like Father Like Lambs? Son. Like my dad is a very successful guy and he still drinks Keystone Light, like 30 packs. Huh? It's just how we I've are. I've never we have had a taste. Keystone and I've never had a Sorry, Natural Blair, Light. Sorry, Blair, what would you ask? Have you ever had Ham's? That beer, it's really, it's really ghetto. I think it's even cheaper than natural. I don't light. think so. We had a hams party in college. Everyone <laughs> showed up and all we served them was hams. They were like, "This is disgusting." <laughs> I'm trying to think. It's probably one of those like high gravity ones though. That's like dark and like no, malt. it's like it's light, light beer. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I feel like I can choke some. down any light beer because uh-huh. it doesn't really have much flavor. Dude. Yeah. Yep. Okay, we're ready for. for okay, your joke. ready for the joke. Yep. Okay, so. I guess I will do this in a man's voice. Okay. Because I although I might voices. let Blair do it since her voice is so low right yeah. now. Okay, so a man is on the telephone. He goes, Hello, is this the front desk? Oh, okay, great. This is Mr. Jackson in room 244, and I need you to send somebody up to my room. Well, my wife has been running around all day. She's throwing stuff. She's totally hysterical. She's pulling out her hair. And now she's threatening to jump out the window. (laughs) You're right. It is a personal problem. But the window won't open. And I need maintenance up here immediately. Oh Your voice is hilarious. Just one of last week's are good, way easier to remember because some of them are really complicated. Uh-huh. Yeah. Have a lot of moving parts. Uh-huh. I, like I the still would ones. never remember. Yeah, I read either. a great joke this weekend. Like it, I don't know where I read it, but I, somewhere in New Orleans, it was somewhere, and I read it, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's a." Be-. It was literally one line, and it was like. Did you not take what a do you call a da 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 and a da da da? And then it said the answer, and I laughed my butt off, and I was like, "This would be a great joke for Janice <laughs> to tell on the remedy." And I don't even remember. It's one line, and then one line, and I no, I didn't take a picture. There might have been alcohol involved, uh-huh. yeah, Fair. but still, I should have. It's two lines. Um, okay, so today we are talking about how to deal with, how to manage, how to love. Um, how I don't even know how we how else to say it, but different children, which sounds, I mean, we always try to stay away from the word n- normal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like normal or not normal because you what, can't define what's it. Normal. Yeah. Um, but there are so many people who have children who are different whether it's because of a learning disability or a birth defect or a um, the color of their skin. Um, behaviors. Yeah, behaviors, uh, learning disabilities. Did I already say that? Uh-huh. Um, uh, there's all kinds of ways that children, trauma, they act out, uh, rebellion, it's embarrassing, whatever. There are so many ways that children can be different. And we have all experienced, um, to different degrees, uh, children who are different. Right. And it can be really hard as a parent. It can be really sad as a parent. It can be heartbreaking. It can be 
frightening, I scary, think lonely. Yeah, lonely. Oh, lonely. That's you know? a good because I think we. I don't know, like right off the bat, I'm like, we live in a society mm-hmm. where everybody's like perfect and the same and doing the th- things, all the right things. And then whether your kid, whatever aspect, they're different, you know, it's like you don't always open up and talk about it to other people sure. because their kids look not different. Right. You or know, so then you're not yeah. different. And, and you know what's so funny is how do we even define... Yeah, we're air quoting different. Different. Yes. You know, because if if my child or your child is different, then what who who created what is normal or average or or who's to say? Like why isn't my child the norm and your child, you know, is, right, is right, different. Right. So. I think I think it's because you're talking about numbers. Mm-hmm. So when you go mm-hmm. to an elementary school or you go to a high school and you look at the population, yeah. that's the the normal or is going to be the major, majority. Right. Of that's a great way to whatever say whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And so, and there are some uh, environments that are much more infiltrated with people from all different ethnicities and and locations and everything but I think a lot of us in Dallas it's because Dallas is so big and our little neighborhoods can be so small yep. that's what throws us into a different sort of environment so yep. if you've got 90% of the kids in a school look a certain way or act a certain way or talk a certain way and there's 10% who are different then that's where you're going to feel that uncomfortability until you mm-hmm. get used to that it's mm-hmm. difficult mm-hmm. I think that's a great definition is what seems to be normal or average is the majority. So if your child, for whatever reason, whether it's because of their interest or the way they look or the way they act um, or the way they learn, if they don't fall into the majority, then then they're different. And when your child is different or when you are different, you know, than the majority, it can feel really, really, really hard. And yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah, I think lonely is such a great word too, mm-hmm. Blair, because I think that we 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 can take it personally. You know, we want we can think what somebody else thinking or what is somebody else doing or whatever that is, and and because we don't talk about it very much, then you feel like an, a sense of isolation because you don't have that support. If you were in a school with you know, we're each going to talk about some of the things that we've experienced with our children. And if you don't talk about it, then it definitely is lonely. Yeah. And yeah. And sometimes even when you talk about it, because people don't understand it or don't take the time to understand it, it can still feel really lonely. Yeah. I remember when uh, I had uh, Charlie, um, my son who had, was born with mitochondrial disease and looked very, very different because he was so skinny. I mean, his face was normal, but he couldn't gain weight. So mm-hmm. he was eight months and he weighed eight pounds. And so he kept growing long, but he mm. couldn't. And so he, you know, like the Bajorn, he would, 
his little legs would hang out of my, the baby Bajoran, and I was like you, Blair. I walked and walked and walked and walked and walked with my kids. And there was a time where I was like, I started hiding his legs. Yeah. Um, because it was too painful. It was way too painful for people to comment. And, you know, and then he got the feeding tube and that was really different and scary and, and hard and embarrassing because then people would stare because he was different. And I remember asking his hospice nurse uh, who came to the house one day, like, or telling her, I just felt so alone. I, I use those words that you said, Blair. I was like, I just, I am, you know, she asked me how I was doing. And I was like, I just cried. Like, I'm just feel so alone. And she's like, you're not alone. There's other people like you. There's other moms like you. And I'm like, well, where are they? Because I've never seen them. And she said, well, honey, they're at home just like you. Mm-hmm. And I have, I had a realization in that moment that it was easier to isolate myself and stay away from the potential of somebody calling my child, my child's differences out. It was easier to hide than it was to be exposed. And, and, and I've seen my sister who has a son who's severely autistic and acts out and is really unpredictable and runs away and hits and, makes loud noises. I've watched, I mean, she was the most outgoing, uh, go-getter, social, and she completely isolates herself because the world is often not kind Mm -hmm. about people who are seemingly different. I don't think that they set out to be unkind, but there's stares and there's looks and there's judgment you know, I had people ask me why I wasn't feeding my child. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to burst into tears. I mean, all I did was feed my child. Well, I think people, when a lot of people, when they see a child that's different, they get uncomfortable yeah. and they don't know what to do. And yep. so it's it, that energy, you know, they can say the weirdest, right. most unkind things in the world, but I think it's because of their own uncomfortability. Totally. We have. Why do you think... What, what, oh, I was just saying, well, I think that adults, for the most part, can take the temperature of the situation and know how to rea- uh, behave in front of people who are different in order to make them not feel uncomfortable, but kids have, like, no filter, and that's something that's so innocent. That's okay. That's what, like, hurts... I mean... Yeah, I've never minded a child who said something, you know, um, but as an adult... it can be, like, just, so technically rude, but it's innocent, you know? Right, it is innocent. They just speak what they see. Why are your why is your baby so skinny? You know, like yeah. uh-huh. they legit want to know. Um, but I was going to ask you, Janice, why do you think? Why do you think that society is so uncomfortable and so, for lack of a better word, why are we so bad at dealing with things that are different? I think it's because we are not comfortable in our own bodies. I think it's because we don't really understand self-esteem. The self-esteem comes from the inside out. But if you're externally focused, and which most people are, 
by how am I doing, how am I doing, how am I doing, they, if they don't feel comfortable in their own skin, it's going to be difficult for them to be comfortable with people who are different because they, it, they get anxious about it themselves. Right. So, you know, when you're, when you're filled with your own sense of value, what happens naturally is you extend that sense of value to every other person that walks the earth mm-hmm. in spite of how they look or in spite of how they act or in spite of a bunch of different things. But... 99, well, I don't know what the percentage is, but uh, most of the people, most people have no idea what self-esteem is. Mm -hmm. And they they measure their own self-esteem by the external. So they're going to measure other people's value by the external. So when you're not comfortable in your own skin, you're not going to be comfortable being around people who are not like you. God, that's just so interesting how simple that is but it seems like i hear that and it makes me so sad that that's that's the the majority of our um that like that's our emotional intelligence as a people well we haven't been taught (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know this whole concept Mm -hmm. of what really is self-esteem is is pretty new you know because when you go back and you think about you know the 50s and the 60s and the 70s it was all about the ex the yeah. outside yeah. you know and so this whole new conceptual awareness of wow i am valuable because i breathe the air because i am a child of divinity and that that defines my value mm-hmm. so but a lot of people and that's not easy to maintain most of the time yeah. i mean i've been doing this for years and i still have to work on it with myself, you know, so I think, I do think that's it. We just are not comfortable in our own skin. So we're not comfortable around people who are different. When can I ask you a personal question? I find that hard to believe that there's, that there's times that you still struggle with it. How, how does, when? Well, um, one of the things that was difficult for me was when I got a divorce because none of my friends were divorced. And it was not, that was in 70, uh, no, 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 that was in 97. And so, you know, I was, I was very self-conscious about that. Mm. And I mean, there were people who didn't hang out with me Mm. because of that. And some of the religious organizations that I'd participated in, you know, they were very anti-divorce. So that was that. Then when my oldest daughter got a divorce, I kind of went through a little bit of that again. I had to work, really work on, you know, what you think of me is none of my business. What you think of what my children do is none of my business, you know, and then now with Blair going through it again, you know, it's, i I'm pretty good at it now. It really doesn't bother me. Right. You know, because I think there, I do, I believed it with Bryn too. I believed it with myself and I believe it with Blair that the decision is absolutely the correct decision for them. Mm -hmm. And all I really care about is that they're happy. Sure. Well, and I bet also there's a part of you and I mean, I'm not trying to say what you're feeling, but I mean, you're a therapist and you do marry, you do couples all the time. And so me taking on like, insecurity for my mom which in my job but I do it I'm like oh crap like they're gonna be thinking okay well what kind of therapist is she if she's got two daughters getting a divorce yeah you know yeah Yeah. 
that I was like, sorry, mom, you know, <laughs> and she's like, it's fine. It's, you know. <laughs> no, but that's true. That, that is, is true. true. I've never thought about that. But you know mm-hmm. what? You know, it's so funny is I never thought about how I would feel if one of my children got a divorce mm-hmm. and, 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 but just like anything, you know, just like anything as a parent, it's so hard to separate. You know, we have to make decisions all the time to separate who we are apart from our children. Yes. We are not our children. No. And they are their own people. And they are and not ours, they're God's. Right. We do not want our children making the decisions because of how they no. think it's going to affect no. us. And, you know, when I got my divorce, my dad and my mom and dad were, m- both of them were deacons in the Second Baptist Church in Lubbock, and and they were totally supportive of mm-hmm. me. And it was, and I was very nervous about that, yeah. but they absolutely were totally supportive, you know, and I, I think that's what we do with our, our kids, especially when our adult children is we just love them. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's my job. Yeah. Is yeah. to love them. Yeah. So do you want to talk about Blair, what your experience has been? Before, before we do that, and I really want to do that, I want, you said your mom lied last yes, week. Yes, I was trying to. Oh. I was trying to shoe her that. Shoe her and that I'm not. Too. So before the before the microphones came on, Blair was like, "I'm so mad. My mom lied last week." I was like, "Well, don't tell me. I want to find out on air." Um, so I'll, and she now is running the risk of being grounded, <laughs> spanked. No, oh, yeah, I gave you don't that. spank. Uh-uh. That's right. I forgot you don't spank anymore. Not anymore. Um. Yes, so I just... I want to learn how Janice is human because I never Uh see it. (laughs) Oh, yes, you do. No, I don't. So when I was on my walk listening to last week's podcast... Which was all about the in-laws. Which was all about the in-laws. And um, so when you guys were talking about Topher's mom Mm -hmm. and... Stepmom? uh, Oh, wait. Stepmom. Is this the one that, who made the, was the making the clothes. plants? Yeah, that oh, buys yeah. the clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and my mom was all like Team Tova and like so supportive, and she was lying <laughs> because. So basically, just on part of it. So when you guys, a lie were, is a lie. When you guys were talking about the shirt that's so short, it's like barely covering her nipples. And my mm-hmm. mom's like, "Yeah, that's so inappropriate," and blah blah blah. Well, I have lived a motto my whole life, like. It, all my friends would be like, we've heard Blair say this forever. I think when I was 15, I don't really like bras and underwear and that kind of stuff. And I like walked into my mom and I'm like, she's going to get even more dates now. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, Kevin's face is hilarious. Like, what is happening? Right he's, now? he's got his serious face on. <laughs> so at 15, I go into my mom's room, I think, and I'm like, Hey mom, like my shirt's kind of see-through. Can you see my nipples? And my mom's like, let me tell you something, Blair. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) She's like, dogs have nipples, cats have nipples, and men have nipples. And none of them have to cover theirs, so we don't either. (laughs) (laughs) So for my whole life, Lord, you are not allowed to take Anna Bryn shopping either. For the love of God. In college or something, my friends would be like, your shirt's see-through. And I'd be like, dogs, my mom, my mom told me dogs have nipples. And so that's, I'm just like, okay, they don't cover theirs. We don't have to cover ours. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Oh my it's gosh. true. 
that. And I, I don't it's technically like, a good point. I mean, it actually is. So, but and I've then never you seen want to your, know her other best parenting advice she ever told me. This is uh oh. <laughs> I've never seen your nipples, and I've known you for a while. Oh, you haven't? Okay, well, that's good. Um, <laughs> See, don't be flashing mine at the pool later. <laughs> See, we don't get to do it that. It's yeah. true. Like, what's the big deal I know. about our nipples? Pigs, cats, dogs. Yeah. Cows? <laughs> Cows. <laughs> Big ones. So that Any was what I lived by. Much. And then another one in um, high school, she's like, Blair, I need to talk to you about, you know, like drugs and drinking. And she's like, I've got, I got to tell you one thing. And she's like, yeah. She's like, you are like me. You like to be up. You like uppers like that. She's like... I loved cocaine so much that you <laughs> that, that left turn, left turn, morning, she morning. Goes, Am I purple? Yeah, I don't Listen, actually don't know what that color is that you are right now. She goes, Blair, you can never try it because she was like, you will never come back from it. And honestly, I roll with some people that dabble in that way and they know the story too. They're like, I've never tried it because my mom's like, you won't come back. So like all my friends knew they're like, Blair, we Blair can't ever try this because her mom told her she'll never come back from it. Wait, wait, like, wait, wait, wait. Like really <laughs> yeah, you blunt. better you better interrupt quick. <laughs> no, this was really good blunt advice, parenting. And I was like, okay, mom, like, you know, she's like, I don't want you to drink and do drugs. She didn't want me to do it, but she's like, if you're gonna do it, don't ever do this one because you won't come back from it. <laughs> Well, I did come be, back from it. Yeah. <laughs> but I have not done that in a very long time. But you time. didn't know if I'd come back from uh, it. No, I mean, no, I did try it once a few times. <laughs> it's funny you mention that, though, because I always felt the same way Still about I. myself. Like, the only drug I never would try that I always said I would never try it was, like, heroin. Because I'm like, I like downers. Like, I know I would like that. <laughs> See, I did coke plenty of times when I was young, but I'm already kind of, like, neurotic and anxious, you know, and that just, like, really heightened it when I would do that. But yeah. It also makes yeah. you such an asshole. Like, you think you're so interesting and, like... <laughs> so this is for all the moms out there. Like, sometimes you just have to be that blunt with your kid. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it worked. It stuck with me. I did. I, I, I remember telling the girls, I said, you know, don't try it because it is, it's a very powerful drug and it, it really changes the way you feel, you know? Yeah. And, um... Yeah, I, it's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> all, all your clients out there are like, oh, I need to reevaluate this. <laughs> no, they're going to be like, oh, she's human. Okay, yeah. No, they're actually going to experience love you more, the, What is it? The Drug and Blood Administration are going to yeah. be knocking on my door with a search warrant. <laughs> I'm no, not I think everyone kind of should back. do that when they're young. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I'm pretty open about my experimental drug use in my younger years. I've never <laughs> tried cocaine for that very reason. I never have ever, ever done. You would be like a Looney Tune character bouncing off the walls. I, I, <laughs> I, and I think I would like it. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was doing my podcast in college, and I was dating this girl briefly. And she was like, listen, I was listening to your show, and I heard you say that you tried meth twice, and that's just really off-putting <laughs> to me, so I don't want to see you anymore. <laughs> like, All right, I'm just honest about that stuff. I mean, that was like 10 years ago, Okay, we are in the confessional. <laughs> okay, spill it, Tova. Hey, we, we, I already warned everyone, left turn, left turn, so they could, they could I love the left turn forward. stuff. I love the left turn. Let's take a hard left. 
Oh, my goodness. goodness. Okay, so back to children. Okay, Blair. Okay, you know what? Back to cocaine. I really do think that is an amazing thing about parenting today is there were so many parents. There have been so many generations of parents who felt like they couldn't, like my parents never told me one thing that I thought my parents were perfect. Right. And me that too. they never had sex and they never did anything wrong. And and I, <clears throat> some of my best parenting moments have been me sharing my biggest mistakes mm-hmm. with my kids and, and saying, I'm telling you this because I really want to protect you from you. Yeah. Yes, and then you can like resonate and you got mm-hmm. vulnerable and so I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I'm actually going to listen as opposed to just saying, don't, 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 yeah, don't. don't. Yeah, like and, you and, told me don't and then I'm like, oh, I'm, and then I'm that's now exactly I'm doing what it. I'm going to do, uh-huh. you know? Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. I really think that the number one reason Anna Prynne has not had sex yet is because of our very honest conversations about sex. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I would have given anything for my mom to tell me what why I shouldn't have sex or why I should wait to have sex instead of don't have sex. Right. That can almost be a bad thing though. Just if she's like afraid of that, just because she knows she would have to talk to you about it, you know? Well, I think there's just consequences, there's consequences to sex that I know my parents were trying to keep me from, I mean, pregnancy being one of them, but the emotional and yeah, the emotional is big, is big, but nobody ever told me about that. It was, I thought it was just a sin against God. Me too. I I was just going to go to hell. Never gave me any talk. We never talked about it. It was like, it didn't keep you from having sex. Did for a while, but (laughs) yeah, but then it didn't. Well, yeah. (laughs) Until it did, until it didn't. Yeah. (laughs) Until I'm like 17. Yeah. And then all hell breaks loose. But still, it was one of those things that once it happened, like somewhere in the back of my mind, I felt like shameful about it. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. There's so much about It was definitely that. something I wanted to keep from my parents. So. Yeah. But no, I wish I could have. I mean, it would have been nice to ever have a talk like that with my parents, just kind of know yeah. I what to expect and how to yeah. approach it responsibly, you know? Yes. I asked my mom uh, before my wedding, uh, I said, did, did you and dad have sex before you got married? And my mother was like, no, no, we didn't. Liar. And that's the only conversation we <laughs> she had She was a liar about too. That. that apple didn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> now we know you come by it honestly. <laughs> okay, so oh, everybody. Back, back to the original question for Blair. Um, what did you ask her? about? What time how- are you leaving? <laughs> she's like right now <laughs> oh, well gosh. I think we're like just thinking about all three of us have different perspectives of experiencing different kids mm-hmm. so um, I get for mine I my middle daughter was born with no muscle tone so is there a name for hypotonia okay and so I was living in Lubbock at the time and you know I think we I I think we take for granted healthy children. Sure. I think I for sure did. I just thought you get pregnant, you have a baby, they are healthy and normal. If you're healthy and your yeah. husband's healthy, of Most course everybody we know has healthy normal children yep. and then you know you have a kid that isn't and Henny. And how much did she weigh when she was born? She, she was like three pounds. So was she born early or was she it was just... born two months early, but she, but it all would have happened whether she was born early or not. Okay. You know, okay. it wasn't. Um, and I think, so then, you know, for like three weeks we were trying to identify what 
it was. And so then you're running all these tests Mm -hmm. and then you've got to wait, you know, like 48 hours to get the test results. So for 48 hours you prepare for the worst and then, you know, so are the NICU doctor, actually, this is kind of a terrible thing. One of the NICU doctors has had the worst bedside manner. And he was like, honestly, like she's never going to get muscles. Like you should, you should literally hand her over, put her in a home and walk away. I know when I think about that, he ever said that. That is some dark shit. Terrible. Wow. Like one of the worst terrible. And if now if you see my middle daughter, like she's such a light. She runs around. She goes to school. She's like hilarious and adorable and thoughtful. And he's like, no, we don't know what'll come of her. Like you should just like wash your hands. Uh, Where where are those homes, by the way? Like what the hell is he talking about? (laughs) I know. Yeah, put her on the fire steps. I mean, the isn't that crazy? The steps at the fire. Yeah, it doesn't exist. It's like the the, like the farm that your dog goes to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we took him to a farm. Yeah, yeah. To live with all the other dogs. Exactly right, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Like, who says that about a child? And Haney had a feeding tube for two years. So that's nose or button. Um, We did the button. Mm -hmm. We had the option. And I wanted the button because then you can put on a t-shirt and hide it Mm -hmm. from everybody. Mm -hmm. But, you know. So just for people who are like, what the hell is between the nose and a button? Like maybe just. Okay. So a nose is like a little tube that goes through the nose and down the throat. And you feed your kid that way. A button is they um, surgically put a tube in your stomach and then you, it's so bizarre. And then you like plug it mm-hmm. when they're not eating. Mm-hmm. And then when they're hungry, you unplug it. You basically have a funnel mm-hmm. and you pour food down the funnel and it goes directly to their tummy. And then that way they have nutrients and can grow. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's like, did she just not have the muscle tone? To she eat? couldn't swallow. Oh, she couldn't swallow. Okay. She didn't have enough muscle tone. Yeah. To eat and swallow. So what about her spit? Would she just have spit? I don't know. I've never thought about her spit. You mean like spit up? No, but like if she couldn't swallow, what happened to her spit? Just like a regular saliva. She could swallow, but not enough. I think she would choke okay. and aspirate. Okay. If okay. The liquid, she could handle the spit. Liquid, like a yeah. meal. A meal was too much. Got it, got it. You got know? It. Okay. Um, but, and I got, I got really comfortable. Clayton and I were on the same page that was like from the day she was born, we were like, we don't treat her differently. We expect the same thing from her as we do Owen and Mia. We go to Mikasina, eat our nachos. She needs to feed. Like I got to a point where I could pull it out, you know, and like feed her at the table or in her little car seat and it took work, but, you know, the first person that glances over you and looks at you and sees you doing that or her shirt lifts up and mm-hmm. they see a tube, like, mm-hmm. you panic inside mm-hmm. for a hot second and you want to crawl into a hole and then you're just like, no, no, do it one time, do it two times in public, do it three times, like, every time yeah. it'll get easier. Yeah. And, like, now she runs around and she goes to school and she's thriving, but her speech is still really different. So, does she eat totally normally? Now she eats totally normal, everything. Um, But I went to a friend's ranch recently and I knew there was going to be a couple families there that I'd never been around. And still, like, driving up there, I have that mom moment where you kind of are sick to your stomach and you're like, okay, everyone's going to talk to her and be like, and some kids are like, mom, why does she talk funny? Right. You know, and I'm just like, 
okay, just like put your hand, like <laughs> pinch yourself, breathe, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And in the end, it's always fine. And Haney has no shame in her game. So it's also. I was about to ask that. How does Haney, does Haney know sh- Haney's I, no. a little different? No. And that's when I have to be like. That's a miracle. That's amazing. Yeah. I have so to be she like, never cries or gets upset or gets her feelings hurt or. I mean, like no, normal kids will. Right. Yeah. Sure. But no, she has no idea. I mean, Clayton went no took him to this daddy-daughter dance last week, and he sent me a video, and she's got a mic, and she's fucking karaoke. <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, I'm dying. I'm like, the girl can barely talk, and she's karaoke <laughs> at the it. DCC. Like, love it. Dying. But then I have to be like, she doesn't care, so why am I projecting? I don't ever want to project that on her. Well, you don't, because if you did, she yes. wouldn't be... Mm-hmm. Out- she wouldn't have the mic in her hand. Yeah, true. Like that is such kudos to you and Clayton and all of her family and friends that have not made her thing a thing. Right. No, and she just, I mean, and she, in her speech, continues to improve. And as she gets more muscle tone, you know, but she is as confident as <laughs> any child. I have to say, before I met Haney and I did not know anything was wrong with Haney. Right. And when I met Haney, I never thought, what's wrong with Haney? Right. I never, and I'm keen. And in my head, aware. I'm thinking like, you're lying right now. But because we just, no, I'm like, it's no, that I insecurity <laughs> of a parent, you know, we just. Well, you it's see like, all it's like me things. with my teeth. Yes. I thought everybody yes. was looking at it. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. But it's like, nobody, nobody, unless something's wrong with that somebody, is looking at a child searching for the thing that's different or off or strange or honestly, the thing that stood out to me about Haney was she was so thoughtful. Like she, she, you could, her heart was so big. Yeah. She's the sweetest. She's the sweetest. That's what I noticed about your daughter. I never noticed her speech. I never noticed her muscle tone. Right. I thought she looked exactly like you and that she had this exploding heart. And she does. And that is nice to hear, but it doesn't change what right. we as parents sure. feel. Sure. You know? Sure. And our hearts break more for our children than their right. hearts break for themselves. Right. Yeah. When uh, clearly I have three black children, and the first time uh, Carter was ever called a nigger. He was six or seven, and he didn't even know what the word was because he had just come from Ghana. Were you there? No. And one of the moms called me, and it was another... So it happened at a friend's house. Like, a bunch of kids were together playing soccer. And one of the kids, who who we didn't don't know well, uh, was pissed about how good he was and called him a nigger when they were like seven or something. But another mom, so this little boy runs home and tells his mom, so-and-so called Carter a nigger. And so that mom called me and she was like, I'm just so upset. I was like, Carter didn't even tell me. And so Carter never heard the word before. He was like, well, I don't even know what that word means. Probably didn't even register. It didn't. Um, But then a year ago, last year, baseball season, one of the boys who does know better, <laughs> is right. older, was pissed because he was, he's a grade ahead, and Carter was a sophomore. Playing higher position. Higher varsity, yeah. and he was a pitcher above him. 
And in the locker room, he called him an effing nigger. And in front of the team. Oh. And uh, Carter punched him. No. He should have. And Carter came home, didn't even tell me. So I find out through another mom. No, I found out through the coach. Coach called me and said, you know, we're going to get these boys together and we're going to talk as a team. And I just want you to know I've, I've got, I'm, I'm your back. You know, I've got your back. I've got Carter's back. Like this cannot happen. I mean, the boy's lucky he didn't get suspended. Yeah. Um, but when I talked to Carter about it, I was like, see, sit down, dude. Like I heard what happened in the locker room. Like, coach called me. And I was like, how do you feel about this? And he goes, I feel sorry for him. And I was like, well, coach is calling you and him in his office tomorrow. He's like, what are you going to say? And he was like, I'll listen to his, his apology. And then I'm going to tell him I feel sorry for him. <laughs> oh, my yes. gosh. And that's what he did. The next day, this kid came and he's like, hey, dude, I just want you to know I'm sorry. And, and Carter said, uh, I forgive you but I feel sorry for you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, like, I mean, it really was no sweat off Carter's back. This said nothing about him. And, and Carter knew it said everything about him. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> it didn't move Carter's needle at all. And, and, but I think that that's a tricky, I mean, I've seen, I've seen Haney. I mean, what you're saying about her karaoke, like, her speech impediment doesn't hold her back. And even if somebody said something, I don't think it, I think she'd just look at them like, what are you talking about? Like, right. right. <laughs> but, you know, I think so much of how our kids react to being different, whatever that difference is, is how we project on them as parents. Well, and we go into parenting idealistically. Mm-hmm. You know, you sure, think you're going to be the greatest parent in the world, and you think your kids are going to be the greatest things in the world, and they're always going to be healthy and blah, 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 blah. And you happy know? and popular and, and uh-huh. strong and athletic and cheerleaders, yeah. and it's going to be easy. Yeah, and then that, that homogeneous population all tends to think the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember in high school, now I'm going to throw Blair under the bus. <laughs> About time. What goes around comes around. <laughs> is uh, so when Blair was, uh, it was your senior year, right? In high school. Uh, and anyway, she was at Highland Park and she was a cheerleader. And, and she uh, and some friends were, uh, were driving in the car and they had drinks in their hand, drinks, and they, uh, a policeman was behind them and they, Poured their drinks out the window. I didn't. <laughs> My dumb friend Jennifer did. <laughs> and the police. Very the, smooth. The policeman pulled him over and gave him a. a, a gave, what'd you get? A DUI? Yeah, because I was the yeah, driver. Yeah, and and then you know so and That's the rough. cheerleading banquet was like the next week, and so she didn't get to come because oh, it became dang a known. Thing. Uh-huh. That cop was harsh. I actually beat the system, and I did go. They told me that I was suspended and couldn't come, so I asked one of the Scotsmen if I could be their date, <laughs> and then I showed up. In the, As a date. I didn't even know I that. I showed up, I think, as Jake Francis. I was like, Jake, will you take me? Because like we're going to beat the system. I always had to beat the system. Oh, and I showed up, and they were so mad, and I'm like, you told me I couldn't come as a cheerleader. No one said I couldn't be a date, and they're like, 
damn, damn it, Blair. <laughs> and I was just like, uh-huh. Oh, I love that. <laughs> but I remember, I remember feeling embarrassed because of what had happened with Blair. Sure. You know, and that again, I was enmeshed with that emotional connection with her that made her behavior a reflection on me. Mm-hmm. Or at one point she also pierced her tongue. And I was thinking, you know, <laughs> I was like, if you pierced your nipples, please don't ever tell me. <laughs> I haven't done that. And I think we would have seen by now. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. But she, uh, so she came in and I, she had asked me if she, if uh, she could get her tongue pierced. And I was like, no. And so she came in and, and actually I found out that she had pierced her tongue and I said, Blair, come here. And she came in, and um, I said, you have a choice. You can either hand me your car keys and your driver's license and your credit card, or you can hand me your tongue piercing. It's up to you. <laughs> and she, a few minutes later, she brought in the tongue, you know, the, that silly ball. <laughs> but, but again, part of that whole thing was I made that about me. What would people think of sure. me? And I had gone back to graduate school, and I was just starting my practice. And, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And, you know, it's, it's, that was my issue sure. of over-identifying with my daughter being normal slash different. Mm-hmm. You know, if, mm-hmm. had she been at another high school rather than Highland Park High School, she wouldn't have been the only one in the senior class to have a tongue piercing, mm-hmm. you know. So it's it's real. It's also relative. So Janice, to parents who are listening to this, and and totally aligned with you in that feeling of 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 being in stress because their children are acting out or being rebellious or or different than they thought. I mean, some parents are really embarrassed because they wanted an athlete. You know, they wanted a big right. football player right. and their son is a gay musician and right. they can't get their arms. So different different looks different. Uh-huh. And so how as parents do we do we separate ourselves and love our different children? And how do we do that? How do we check our egos and quit making it a, you know? Well, I about think us. Yeah, I think that what we do is we say my children's behavior is not a reflection on me. Could, was I the perfect parent? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. You know, and I could have done things differently, but at the time when I was parenting my daughters, I I I acted doing, in my value system. Of I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I was doing a good job of it. Right. But learning that I am not a reflection of my children, my grandchildren, my husband, any of that is it's a it's a thought. It's what we've talked about a bunch with abundance and all of that is that that thought I can be okay when my children are not okay. That's about them. That's not about me. I'm separate. I'm separate. And you keep that really, really separate. doesn't mean you don't care. And it doesn't mean that you don't talk with them about some of it. But you just, if you won't identify with it, look, control's an illusion. And if you think you can control Mm -hmm. a high school kid Mm -hmm. or a college kid or an adult, no way. You well, it just even... ruins your relationship. Well, it does. It really because does. Because how could you? I, my, I remember my mom. I got drunk in high school, 
once and my mom and dad came up to, uh, we were, I was a cheerleader and we were cheering at a basketball game and my mom, mom and dad came up and drug me out of the gym. They were both, they were crying so hard and they were like, how could you do this to us? You know, and honestly and truly, I didn't do it to them. No. I just did it. Right. You know, but right. that's what we do. We think, oh, that's going to affect me. And yeah. I mean, unless you're running for office, you don't need those votes. Yeah. So you give up the need for the good opinion of others, which is just essential. Yeah. Doesn't mean you don't want it, but you give up that need. Yeah. Letting go of control with my children totally changed our relationship. And you. Totally. Yeah. Totally. My my anxiety went down. My stress levels went down. My my trying to control and manage everything went down. I mean, I love my children deeply. I do not control them at all. And I mean, they're 17, 17, and almost 16. And their choices are their choices. And I mean, we have had very frank conversations about sex and drinking and um, drugs and and... I mean, there, there are consequences. But sure. if Carter gets a girl pregnant, I looked him in the eye and said, hey, dude, if that happens, that's your baby. Mm-hmm. Not living in my your house. Your baby. Your baby. And you're going to have to get a lot more hours at IHOP than originally planned. And I'll babysit when I'm not busy and y'all can come to dinner on Sunday nights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not my baby. No. And so when you kind of just let go of the consequences, knowing that you're going to still love them. But, you know, it's it's not an easy process to let go, but, man, it feels so good. And it changes. It will change the relationship you have It with really kids. will. And I think when you, when you tell your children that, look, your job is to go to school and make choices that are going to benefit you. If you choose to make some choices that don't work, then that you will experience those consequences. Sure. And then here's what I'm going to do. If you drink and drive, I'm not going to, I'm going to take the car keys yeah. because it's my car. That's exactly right. That and you drive. Yeah. That, <laughs> uh-huh, you know, and so that's where you have consequences, but you don't, it's the, it's the, the fear of being devastated if something happens to your children and they get in trouble or they make a decision that it's not what we would want them to make. Mm-hmm. It's just too enmeshed. It's yeah. like you just have to keep yourself separate. Well, and one thing that I'm thinking of is, is that it's like, so, you know, you had a wild kid. I have a kid that has, you know, is physically different. You have kids that are different color than you. Mm-hmm. And it's like to all the moms and like, females or anybody listening is it's like we all are experiencing some form of insecurity with difference and it's like you're not alone and like open up to your friend you know and like talk to somebody because somebody's going to be feeling the same thing you're feeling like you're not alone it's just a different kind of different yeah you know i love that and and so good it is so good and it reminds all of us. I mean, I love what you just said, Blair, because we all are experiencing, you know, if you wanted an athlete and you got a nerd, or if you yeah. if you wanted a piano player and you and you got a cheerleader, or you wanted healthy and you you they're missing a gene, you know, right. or you wanted white kids and 
Yeah. God had another plan for right. you to have black ones. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, we all, every single person who's listening right now who is a parent at some point will experiencing their child being different. If there was a club and the and your membership was dependent upon <laughs> having a child that was different, we'd all be in it. Everybody'd be mm-hmm. in it. That's exactly They might not right. know it right we're now. Right. They might right. think, oh, I would never be in that club, but they'll be there. Yes. There's a chair with their name on it. Totally. And you know what that should inspire us to do as people is to be so much more compassionate mm-hmm. to other people's differences and the differences or struggles or issues that other people's children are having. Man, we're so good at pointing and judging and elevating. And I mean, I love how you always say, you know, we're all the same. And so when we go below or we try to get above anybody else, that's, that's our own mess. Mm -hmm. Like that's our own mess. And as a people, we should be so much better about loving people and being compassionate to people no matter what. It's yeah, not, it's not uh, one of my favorite things that this girl Dane that I tutor for seminary. She always says, "Not my circus, not my monkey." And <laughs> I'm like, I, I love like that. that. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know what? It's just true. I mean, I look at you and your kids, and I mean, you probably, especially going through a divorce, I never felt like a worse mother in the whole wide world. And now that makes puts you in a different category, right. you know. And especially you're young and and now your kids might feel that they're in a different category because now their parents are divorced and nobody else's parents are divorced and wait a couple of years. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's not nobody's circus, nobody's monkey. And the only thing that anybody should ever do for you and with you is love you and your precious children. Yeah. And it's like, it's just, I'm sitting here thinking, listening, listening to y'all talk is it's like we should also just like go easy on ourselves because mm-hmm. the person sitting next to me has something going on in their life too mm-hmm. you know but we beat ourselves up because we want to have it all look perfect and be perfect and in the end it's like okay we can just like breathe a little because we're all in the same club Everybody's, even though it doesn't feel like it yeah, you so know? true knowing that yeah so we should all just get out our membership cards uh-huh. and show them to each uh-huh. other uh-huh. <laughs> oh me too oh me too <laughs> we the would, me too card yes uh-huh. we would feel we, god this world would work so much better if we were we're i think we're working in that direction i think we've all I become a lot that. more tolerant of differences and that's really good yeah you know i uh, at that wedding i was doing this weekend um one of the parents was like god it's just I feel so, um, I have so much faith again in this generation after watching these two get married. Uh, he came up to me and was like, I, I, you renewed my faith and, uh, and, and the love that these two share that it, it can exist. And you know what? I, we've talked about it before, but I think this generation now, the younger, like growing up with therapy, growing up in the world of Brene Brown and vulnerability and people are talking about their feelings. You know, our grandparents never said a word. We all got divorced. And this next generation is like trying to fix themselves and their stuff before it it breaks. We just tried to fix it after it broke, which is a really difficult thing to do. 
But I agree with you, Janice. I see it too. I see people, I see a shift in this vulnerability and, and me too, like whatever it is. You know, I think part of that too, I was actually thinking about this this morning. I was thinking with the, with COVID, the, the first time that I can ever think of is that the entire world had the same enemy Mm -hmm. that we were all connected with that. And we can have compassion for the people that lost family members. And that, I mean, it's, it's, it's reunited us as human beings, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I felt that. That, And there's always a gift, you know, totally. So totally. Kev, did you ever feel different growing up? Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. I think everyone does at some point. I never felt different. Really? No. Oh. I didn't feel different until my kids were different. Until Charlie. I never felt different. I either. never felt different. I just like fit in, mm-hmm. had friends. Like, you I know. didn't feel different till, uh when I was like 10 or 11 and we moved to New Hampshire. I felt weird there. Yeah. Like I felt everybody looked at me like I was completely different. Why do you weird. think? I don't know. It's just a very different vibe, you know? It went from Dallas to like this really small New England town. It was, I, I don't know. I, I, th- I felt like I didn't fit in anymore. Huh. Well, was your, did, you have, you, did you have an accent back then before you became Radio Man? No, I don't think so. What I do before now? Before you became Radio no. Man. Oh. <laughs> no, you don't have an accent. No, you do. I don't you think know, I ever did. Now that I say it, the only thing, the only time that I ever felt really weird and different was being Mormon and having such horrifically strict parents. Yeah, I could like, see where that would that be. That was really embarrassing, and I, but I fought like hell to, to hide it. Mm-hmm. I, but yeah, that was embarrassing. And did, were you ever embarrassed that your mom got divorced? No. No, but it's it's this it's this exact thing. Like at some point, you're gonna experience different. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I lived kind of the great, never had got everything. I mean, like mm-hmm. life came really freaking natural and easy mm-hmm. for me, mm-hmm. and never had anything. And then you get handed a kid that's different, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, reality check. Or mm-hmm. you know, so at some point, or if you're the kid that's different when you're younger, you're mm-hmm. experiencing it then. Like just at, at some, some point, point in our life, club. you're gonna join. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like having that patience. Or if you're like that family's perfect, there's nothing. Not to be a downer, but at some point there'll be something. Yeah. There. Just yeah. hold on, Bessie. Uh-huh. It's coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and thank God, because I think it just yeah. sharpens us, refines us, makes and makes you, us better. Yes. I mean, I'm a completely different person. I was kind of mean and bratty, and um, now I am have so much more compassion. I feel like I am a completely different person than I was. Yeah, you're. I feel like so you're so a, compassionate. I'm trying. <laughs> trying to be nice <laughs> I think that before we end we need to shout out to Anna Prynne yes. be- oh right so why don't you make that big <laughs> announcement it has nothing to do with bras <laughs> or nipples or, or nipples or cocaine <laughs> Meth, heroin, yeah. sex. We've done it all. We have. <laughs> so right when I got here, I thought it was a, like an accident because I was getting a FaceTime to our family text. And so I thought she was butt dialing us, but she was actually calling to tell us uh, my very different black 
very black daughter <laughs> just won class president. Woo! Hillcrest High School. And Amazing. a friend. Congratulations. I know. So stinking proud of her. And this weekend was prom. And, it's fun. Oh. and Carter won uh, their district champs of baseball. Oh, my gosh. It was a big... You're on a roll. You might need to go to Vegas and roll the dice. I know. (laughs) I know. Blair, thanks for being on this. Blair, we'll chat later about. (laughs) I'm in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're gonna have to pay for the next me casino. (laughs) 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 At the very least, Blair, we love you. Thank Thank you all for having me. Uh, Love you, darling. And so appreciate how honest and open you are. You you make us better. Well, thank you. All right. Have an amazing week, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks, Kev. Thank you. Thanks, Kev.